everybody. Welcome to another Bradley Basics podcast. I'm back on the road. I'm down here in Miami, Ohio, Miami, Florida, not Ohio. I said I said that earlier. But anyways, here here at the world headquarters of AWS with Gary Kanarska. You know, Gary and I go back. He's uh, went to University of Michigan. I went to Michigan State. He's uh, got industrial engineering degree from there and he's the uh director and ceo of aws how you doing gary i'm doing great sean great to have you join us here at the america welding society yeah i appreciate it man thanks for the invite um yeah so i i i you know gary you're, you're a very impressive individual you were over in asia for a while and uh, can, can you talk about that a little bit yeah sure so you know i i started off in in sales mm-hmm Right, and so my my journey started off on kind of the customer facing side of the welding industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to University of Michigan industrial engineering degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like uh, what what type of career are you going to go into? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I realized I want to work with people, right? So I, I didn't want to be a, an engineer necessarily sitting behind a desk. Although reality, most engineers don't sit behind a desk in today's world. Mm-hmm. But I was looking for the opportunity to 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 work with people and impact people ultimately. And so started off in sales, had a couple of different assignments in the U.S., and then in 2007 had the opportunity to actually move to Singapore. Oh, wow. Right? So I moved over there as a senior sales representative. Awesome. And uh, I think, you know, from our previous conversation, you were you were kind of out there to not only sell but also do some mentoring to, to uh, two younger engineering folk. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when we were going through the interview process, you know, one of the questions they asked was, uh, you know, why are we bringing you to Singapore? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I always remember the, the other individual that was there on the process said, you know, to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, when they asked me that question, I said, I'm, I'm here as a technology transfer. Right. Yeah. So the solution selling model that the organization was employing, we wanted to pass that on to other parts of the world. And so they had actually taken two local engineers from Singapore and sent them back to the U.S. to go through the sales development program, seven-month program. The same one there in Cleveland? Yeah, the same one there in Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. And so when they came back, the idea is that you'd what we would mentor them. Each of us would mentor one of those individuals to help them get up the learning curve faster, mm-hmm. right, work side by side. And so, and then be a sounding board. You know, these are, you know, younger salespeople. They weren't fresh out of college. They'd already had a couple of roles, you know, in their career, uh, but had seized this opportunity to kind of go to the U.S. for some training, come back, and then would have kind of a a more senior salesperson to help them out. And uh, when I reflect upon that, that was my first, you know, I'll call it leadership opportunity, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it was a mentorship. It wasn't a direct reporting thing. And I failed at it, to be honest with you. Really? Right. Um, one is I, I I assumed a lot of things, right? I didn't ask enough questions. Mm-hmm. You know, are you ready for this? You know, are you comfortable doing debriefs at the end of a week? You know, kicking off a week, hey, what's your action plan for the week? You know, I didn't manage, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I was there, I was, I was selling myself, had my own gig going on. I was already kind of eight months into a routine and I didn't take the time to help that individual be successful. And it was an, it's, it's, you know, again, you know, these are all opportunities you build upon, right? Is, mm-hmm. you know, assuming things, right? Setting the right expectations, you know, and, and my spouse actually is the one that constantly is helping me to level set expectations, mm-hmm. right? Not everybody is willing to just answer an email within minutes of it coming in 
you know, all into, you know, till midnight or 1 a.m., right? Like, you can't expect people to do that. Right, right. Well, you know, as a young person, I'm like, well, how I'm doing is how everybody does it, right? I'm not really kind of making the connection between what's starting to separate me as an individual and what others are doing. And I just Mm -hmm. expected everybody to want to get better, progress, learn more, like I did. Right. But that's not the reality, right? Everybody's got to kind of their own path that they Mm -hmm. want to take through Mm -hmm. their career, and that early first mentorship opportunity, I could say I didn't do a good job because I didn't focus in on their needs, right? Didn't ask them enough questions about how can I help you, right? Mm-hmm. I just assumed what I was doing would be helpful, but didn't take the time to really dig in and be thoughtful about how I was leading that. And when, when did you make that determination? That, that years later. Years later. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, not during the time during where the I could have added more value to him as an individual right. and for his career. Um, but again, that's, you know, one of the things that I've done um, as I've moved on to other roles is reflect about, reflect back upon, well, okay, why did this happen for the good reasons, mm-hmm. right? What did I do right? I need to keep doing more of that. What could I have done better, right? So then Yeah, you, like the only value of the past is applying what work, worked in the past to the future. Yeah, Basically. and, and then right. not repeating what didn't work, right? right? But right. trying something new. It's called experience. Yeah, not mm-hmm. that far off what didn't work, right? I mean, you don't want to just like go a completely different direction. It's like, okay, that didn't work. Well, not all of it didn't work. Just these parts of it maybe didn't work. Let's just change that but keep the other parts. Yeah, in, it's the engineering right? mindset. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, engineering mindset, that's yep. great. Yeah. And, then, and then when you were over there, you pivoted over to, um, you're in Singapore, and then you had an opportunity to go to China, right? Yeah, yeah. So after uh, what was supposed to be a two-year assignment, mm-hmm. I ended up, we stayed three years in Singapore, which is very common. Uh, and instead of moving back to the U.S. at that time, we actually moved to Shanghai. Okay. Um, so my son was, you know, four or five years old at that point. He would have been five. And, uh, you know, it was a, a, a great experience that, you know, my, my wife really wasn't necessarily on board for. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember getting the call from the president of the region and, uh, you know, a little TMI here, but I am, we're laying in bed watching TV. And, yeah. So he calls, hey, nice to talk to you. Uh, you know, hey, what do you think about an opportunity in China? And so I repeated, oh, an opportunity in China. I looked at my wife, and she just started shaking her head no. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. Wow. You know? So wow. <laughs> <laughs> she, she still reminds me of that, actually, today. Wow. Um, but again, that's, that's an opportunity as you reflect back upon, right? Like, she would have gotten on board, but she wanted to express what, her concerns were what Mm -hmm. are some of you know what were we getting ourselves into what was it like to even live there like we didn't know a lot of these things and i just assumed wow this is a great opportunity for my career she's supportive of my career vis-a-vis she supports this move even Mm -hmm. though she says no yeah i mean i should have said hey let me talk with my family let me understand better let me come take a visit to under you know but of course when you're trying to climb and a great opportunity is there, you know, you want to rush in and grab it, right? right? You don't want right. to miss that opportunity. Right. But then you miss the opportunity to make sure you get the buy-in, in that case, from my spouse, mm-hmm. right? And you can apply that to personal and business, right? Buy-in. I mean, that's a critical part of anything you do is you try to influence people, encourage people, engage people. Right, right. right? You want to get them onto the same page, gain alignment. And I didn't take the time, and it made it tough, right? I mean, it made it tough for her. It made it tough for me. Um, and, it, and it wouldn't have taken more than maybe a couple of conversations, a day at the, you know, a couple of days maybe. Mm-hmm. But no, I didn't take that time, and I, I regretted it later on. 
Yeah, but you're probably uh, now with your new role now. You're probably uh, you know re- redoing that. You you pay, have, have a pretty uh, r- rigorous schedule. You're up early. You're kind of home with the kids and yeah. you're exercising in the morning. Uh, you know. Yeah. You, you know. After all those years in Asia, where it's you know it's a lot of travel, uh, a lot of working late. You mm-hmm. know, I, when I moved back to the U.S. in 2017, I kind of shifted my schedule, right? And so uh, I'm not a morning person, right? Uh, I'd love to, you know, if I had an ideal kind of work hours, it'd be like 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Like that'd be right up my alley, wake up 9.30, you know, work a little later, you know, sun's going down, you get out of work. Um, but that's not reality. That's not kind of when business is done, at least in the U.S. Right. And so knowing that, you know, I, I actually, I wake up at four, right? Not every day, you know, some weeks I have more discipline than others, but pretty much four o'clock. It's impressive. In the gym by 4.15, you know, I try to be in the office by six o'clock, right? And I do that in order to try to leave here by 4.30 or five. Mm-hmm. So um, it's one of those things where I, I, if I'm in town, I'm not traveling, I would love to be home to have dinner with my family. That's a big change that I had for a decade of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you're working out, like you, you listen to music, or you, you know, I, I think we talked a little about you, you guys are doing some LinkedIn learning. You, you're doing, yeah. You, so you do that during that time. Or? Yeah. So one of the uh, initiatives that we started here um, at the American Welling Society was we call it 12 minutes per day. Right. Okay. It's focused on the the staff of AWS here in Miami about um, essentially doing a little bit of personal and professional growth on a, on a daily basis. You know, and the idea is to get an hour in a week, right? But mm-hmm. to try to do a little bit of every day, right? Because trying to carve out 12 minutes out of your day, I think, is probably easier than trying to find an hour every week to, to dedicate to, you know, just, again, that incremental building upon your your skills. Mm-hmm. And so I had, you know, 7 o'clock to 7.12 was my LinkedIn learning time every day. And I did that for several months. And then I realized that when I'm on the treadmill, I was watching TV or you know, some other thing. And, you know, it was, you know, I was there to exercise. So I was doing a really good thing, but then I was missing an opportunity. And so now I do my LinkedIn learning while I'm on the treadmill. And so now where we as an organization say, hey, let's do an hour a week. I'm typically doing two hours, two hours and 20 minutes, depending on what my, my exercise schedule looks like. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that since, you know, October, November. Right. And so, you know, every week I'm doing a couple hours of personal and professional development, wow. you know, kind of on the treadmill, right? I was already doing it. I know I need to do it, right? That's so important that you try to take care of your health, you know, and you get, mm-hmm. you know, at any point in your life. And I didn't do that for a long time. And now I'm trying to do that. But I'm now capturing that opportunity, like being efficient with my time. I've now carved out that extra 12 minutes, you know, at seven o'clock every day. Put something else in that. That's so, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's great. So, go going back to when that time in China, like you, you, uh, that role was pretty big, right? Like you, you managed like close to eighty people. You were saying, yeah. When I first moved there, I was a director of key account sales. Mm-hmm. I had salespeople living all across China, right? So the first opportunity to remote management of people um, had a little bit of diversity in what I was responsible for. You know, automation sales, imported product sales. And then what ended up happening is my responsibilities just incrementally kept growing over time. Mm-hmm. So where I still had the key account sales, then I added on automation. So the operation and sales of a small automation division doing robotic installations for the automotive industry. Then I added on the welding technology center. So the people doing you know welding application development work, 
you know, then I added on marketing, right? So, you know, in the U.S., there's Fabtech, right? In, in China, there's something called the Beijing Essence Show. Oh, okay. So for two years, I actually managed that show where, like, the whole design of the booth, the implementation, all of that, the marketing communication managers did the day-to-day, but I was involved in that complete process wow. of essentially um, planning a trade show. Um, then I had export sales, which was a big business, right? So all the different regions of the world were contacting me, and I was heavily involved in the import product sales still because that key account role that I originally went there for, I still had those responsibilities. Wow. And so where I went in is kind of a nice kind of sales director role to start to get my feet wet quickly turned into, you know, a huge development opportunity where I like to say those 18 months that I did that were like five years of experience. Wow. wow. Right. And every time they came to me say, Hey, uh, could you help us with this? I just said, yes. Right. With almost like reckless abandon. I'm like, this is an opportunity to just learn. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you learn by doing ultimately. Right. Right. You know, I went and got my MBA. Oh, you right? got your MBA? Where'd you yeah. get your MBA from? University of South Florida, because oh, I was cool. living in Tampa. And so you find a local school, still working full time. I went, did the part time program through your part time program. But the irony of, of that is, while you know, it's academic in nature, it's hugely foundational when you start looking at the financial side of running a business. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're not going to go and do the debits and credits of accounting. But to learn about depreciation, how that affects the bottom line, and to learn about how do you cost things out, it's mm-hmm. hugely valuable. So I, mean, I would recommend to anybody that wants to someday be in upper management, MBA to me is just kind of like you know table stakes at this point because mm-hmm. it gives you that grounding in your financial acumen that you're going to have to have right, if you're right. leading a business, yeah, period. Yeah. Right? yeah, the P&L and everything else. Yeah. yeah, can you do with that? Well, absolutely you can. You can learn it. But it does make it that much easier to pick up on the nuances of running a business, right? Yeah, that's great. So you, you were over in China, what, for about 10 years, you said? So China was four. So it was Singapore for three, China for four. After 18 months of working crazy hours, it was you know it was time to move on. And so then an opportunity actually came up to move back to Singapore, okay. where I was then the managing director for Southeast Asia, South Korea, and Taiwan. And so in that role, I had really eight primary markets where we had salespeople living in country, right? And then we had a small factory in Indonesia that I was also responsible for. Mm -hmm. Um, About 100, 105 people across the region. Wow, impressive. Okay, but based out of Singapore. So the finance was in Singapore. We had a technology center that we built at the time. Mm -hmm. It was the technical people were in Singapore. But what was unique about that opportunity is you know, in the U.S., when you go from, say, Ohio to Pennsylvania, there's a lot of similarities, same language, same culture, you know. In Southeast Asia, although the countries are all connected, people don't go from Malaysia to Thailand or Thailand to Vietnam just every day, mm-hmm. right? It's just not the same. They're all autonomous markets. So here I am trying to figure out how do we grow in these eight primary markets with all kind of different levels of maturity. You take South Korea and Taiwan, highly mature markets, huge welding industries, lots of local established manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Then you take a place like Indonesia, which is not a developed market, right? There's not a lot of local manufacturing and the infrastructure is different. And do you come up with one plan for all of that? Well, no, you can't because what what the market demands at that time from the organization is not the same in each of those different markets. Right, right. So for my role was to set kind of an overall 
okay, here's what we want to do at a macro level, but then how do we apply it at an individual market level? So it was a great learning opportunity to know, look, we need to have some kind of cohesive strategy across the region, but then how we might apply the nuance of that strategy based on the maturity of the market was all different. So when building a business plan was really eight separate business plans that then rolled into one, consolidated into one, amazing opportunity to learn you know, difficult to execute upon wow, in the end. Wow. And then um, I think you were talking, you had some, you, you did some, you did some work on kind of understanding the cultures. You kind of had like a kind of a, a coach that kind of helped you with that. Cause yeah. obviously that's different, different cultures amongst those eight, eight different uh, areas. Yeah. So yeah. So the, the, the cultural coach I got was actually when I was in Shanghai and, and the, the culture was really the catalyst of why I asked for a coach. Mm-hmm is that, you know, I had brought in kind of all the ways I had been managed as a salesperson coming from the U.S., mm-hmm. right? Weekly reports, you know, top 20 account activity, you know, CRM. Yeah, boilerplate. All the, yeah, all boilerplate the things stuff. you would do, just like the basics of, of selling. And and I wasn't getting through to the team, right? Like they weren't, they wouldn't even like hand in the report, right? And then, you know, if they did write information, it wasn't complete. And I was just like really struggling to connect with, you know, why aren't they following me? Like mm-hmm. I'm managing them. Why aren't they following me? And so I said, I, I've got an issue here where my leadership or I'll say management at the time, because I wasn't a leader yet. My management style wasn't connecting with the local culture. And so, yes, part of it was cultural. So I actually got a one-on-one coach. But that's when I started learning the difference between management and leadership. Mm. Right. Yeah. You no know, management is you're managing activities typically in leadership. You're leading people. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to task manage the sales team. Right. It's like fill in the blank. Right. Do this. Right. Versus, hey, we need to grow sales. Here's some of the target products. You know, how are you going to do that in your area? Mm-hmm. Right. What's your plan for doing that? OK. Hey, how about. Oh, yeah, that's a great plan. What about these different ways to kind of approach that, right? Engaging with the individual on how they could be successful versus managing if you do these activities, right? Yeah, give them some opportunity for input, their own personal input. Their yeah. own personal input, but then also kind of kind of creating that, that grander vision versus like you should make five sales calls today, right? Yeah. Which is needed. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that's still part of because you still have to manage. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, You've, you've got to be a leader too, right? And the difference between management and leadership is where that coach kind of helped me start to connect the dots. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because they are two very different things. And so, you know, you can't just do them uh, and, and expect to be a leader while you're a manager. And while you're managing, you're oftentimes not leading. Yeah, so one of my Bradley basics, you know, success is mastering your own process, you know. Um, I, I'm more a results guy. Like if... I was working for you. You would just tell me what needed to get done, and I would like, I would just go do it. And if I had, if I needed some help, I would, I would talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. But, but some people aren't like that. You know, people I've been micromanaged, and that's where I don't do well with who I have to report to. And I try, but it's it's more of this task thing. It's like just I'm going to take ownership of the work because I have to do it. So I, I, that should be my ownership and you should be okay with that. And when you're working with a leader, I have a, a real good leader now that I report to and th- that's what we do. And mm-hmm. we're just off and running. 
but it's you know that like that that's very good that's a, it's a good connection you made there you know yeah and i mean i you think know? you know when you when you talk about leadership you know in today's day and age you have to lead individuals right so you obviously there's a team dynamic and you set a vision for the team but how each individual connects with that vision is different and so you've got to put the time in to understand you you're a self starter give me what you want i'll get it done well, then the person sitting next to you may not be a self-starter. They may need, okay, w- what should I do to get it done, mm-hmm. right? You're like, just tell me what to do. I'll figure it out, or I already know what to do. I'll go do it. Boom, you're off and running. But the person sitting next to you may not have that same level of, of confidence, experience, whatever it might be. And so you can't just say, you know, here's the result and then expect everybody to run off. Remember, right, I right. say my earlier yeah. failure and expectations, right, is that everybody connects differently with what they're charged with doing, mm-hmm. right? And that doesn't mean you have the time to go across an entire organization, but at a minimum, your direct reports, you have to make sure that where do they fit, how do they take it, some want more data and analytics behind it, Others just want to be heard about how that impacts them and how they feel. Yeah, right? it's empathy. The empathy it's, act. It's the empathy, empathy side. Yeah, that's awesome. That's you know, awesome. But that's something I think that, uh, you know, I did a lot. My, when I got back to Singapore the second time, you know, millennials are starting to become the largest portion of the workforce. And mm-hmm. the early stereotype that millennials had was they're not loyal, right? Oh, they're just going to jump from one company to the next. You know, the longevity, you shouldn't hire them for the long term. And actually, like the the research wasn't was incomplete, right? So if you talk to a millennial today, they're like, "I want to be challenged. I want to have progression. I want the company to invest into me as a as a person, mm-hmm. my growth as an individual." And a company can provide those things, they, you know. But if they're not thoughtful about those types of desires for, in this case, a generation, then they get this unfair stereotype that they're not loyal. Well, no. The company wasn't serving them as an individual. What were their needs? Their mm-hmm. needs was, I want to be challenged. I want to know that what the company's doing is good for the world, mm-hmm. right? I want the company to give back. Like, what are they doing from a community outreach, right? The latest generation, what are the social programs? What's the diversity, equity, and inclusion of the organization? Yeah, what, what, what does that mean? That's a, that's a new term for me. For the, uh, the social... Diversity so, yeah, and inclusion, well, is that just giving back the community? Is that no, what that so means? No, in, in this case, this is more where, you know, you're familiar with, like, diversity, right? Yeah, So, yeah. like, make sure we have that. But really, you know, it's more than that today, right? It's, you know, the inclusion part, making people feel like they're part of the organization. So I like this, you know, analogy of, you know, diversity is getting invited to the dance, Inclusion is being asked to dance, Mm. right? And so there's a lot more focus today than there has been before about what are you doing as an organization? So uh, a new potential employee, that becomes something that they ask. Hey, what are your diversity, equity, inclusion programs at your organization? 10 years ago, 15 years ago, people, that's not something that would have been part of the potential employees interview to the company, right? Because everyone always think this is like the company's interviewing potential employees. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, people are looking at the company far more than they probably have in the past of what are they doing to help the world be a better place ultimately, right? What types of community outreach programs, do they even have anything, 
Right, right. right. And that becomes part of their decision-making because especially right now, the job market is really good, right? People can, you know, be very discriminant about who they go to work for today. Oh, okay. Okay. And so, and you've got to be thinking about that as an organization is we're now serving many different generations and they have all a little bit different way that they want to be engaged with from an organization standpoint. So this kind of goes back to something we talked about a little bit earlier about constantly learning, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a LinkedIn learning. Yeah, I actually have gone through, you know, lots and lots of training around this particular topic because I wasn't informed enough to really be able to make sure that we were doing some of the right things. I would say now I probably am, but I still have so much more to learn, Mm. right? But the continuous learning aspect, you know, I probably do more learning today than I ever have before because I built kind of the experience now Right, I've kind of done a lot of the on-the-job stuff. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like, okay, honing, getting more inputs to create vision for the future. And for me right now, I'm like in this massive information-consuming kind of uh, mode. Yeah. Where, you know, whether it's, you know, all the email newsletters that I get, you know, it's the, the Wall Street Journal I still read, mm-hmm. you know, every day. You know, just continuing to try to find how is – the organization I lead today going to be impacted? And in my role, how's the industry going to be impacted? Now, would you say that's a key component of you staying and thriving at this level, this continuous it, it's learning? It's critical. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's critical. And I can't, I can't really comment to staying because I'm fairly new still, yeah. right? I've just yeah. been a year you know, as a CEO here. But I mean, just think about it logically, right? Like, you know, the, the Well, thriving, you know, doing well, thriving, yeah. doing the right thing, just not sitting on your hands, you know, like you get... I think we were talking earlier, you get to a certain level, there's always something more to do. We talked about the you know, 30, 70, you know, you're 30% of the market, but there's still 70% out there. You know, there's, that's just, you can do that in your life. Yeah. There's just it, more to do. Yeah. You know, I just, I just think information's easier to access, like this LinkedIn learning. I even talked about it on one of my podcasts that I'm going to start looking into that. Yeah. You know? uh, there's some stuff that, uh, you know, the company's offering. I'm going to look into that, you know, I'm going to put a schedule together, you know, and, and actually do it, you know, and I do a lot more reading now than mm-hmm. I ever did. Yeah. I mean, I can whack through a book, you know, but it's something I want to read, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I have the ability to do, it. I do this podcast, you know, it's a community service. I don't, you know, it's just me putting this money up and, you know, traveling down here and stuff and, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, I got some resources, mm-hmm. you know, I could go and buy some other fancy car or whatever. And, you know, I'm driving a Benz, you know, coming around, but I could go, you know, do something else, but no, I, you know, I just sold a property. So, mm-hmm. You know, I have a property in Naples. So, you know, I, I do pretty well. And But this is how I want to give back to the community, mm-hmm. back to this. I, I think I'm going to do some research about that term as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Start understanding that because I think that's that's unique. It's very unique, you know? Yeah, I mean, and again, as as time goes on, and, and you talked about, you know, information so readily available. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, just as easily as good information, bad information travels fast, mm-hmm. right? And so learning about what the latest, you know, landmines to, to avoid or landmines to address, right? To surgically go up and make sure that as an organization or more importantly, as an individual, you have an answer to some of those questions that might come up. Yeah. And those questions are changing, right? So what was important five years ago is not as important today. And what's going to be important in five years is may not even exist today, right? And so if you're not continuous learning, if you're not building new capabilities, I mean, and I use an analogy, right? If your organization's doing things right, the bar, the average bar performance continually goes up every year. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not 
growing at least as fast as the organization, eventually you're going to be below the minimum threshold of an organization, right? And that doesn't mean that 20 years ago, you might have been the best employee at the time, but you sat on your hands, Mm -hmm. you just kept doing things the same way, and you might do them really, really well. But what happens when that function now gets automated via, you know, an online portal that interfaces directly into the ERP system? Well, if you haven't been building the computer skills mm-hmm. in order to now pivot to be able to do that on a computer, you were once the greatest employee, and now you're no longer at the minimum threshold of skill capability of the organization. And so now, even for me, I mean, that's even more critical, right? Because I'm also trying to set an example to the organization that I want this to become a learning culture, mm-hmm. that, that that bar raises faster than it has in the past. Because we want to execute more. It's more complex in today's world. We have a lot that we're doing, right? And if you're not building your capabilities to digest and tackle it at a more efficient and faster rate, then you're going to fall below that minimum threshold yeah. ultimately. Definitely, definitely. All right, yeah, so we, I've, I've got a couple. Well, I've got like five questions. We've, we've kind of went through, you know, kind of them in in a kind of nonchalant way, let me see, you know, coach or mentor along the way, you had the cultural coach. Is there any other coach or mentor you had? Did you have any higher level presidents help you out with anything? Yeah, I had mm-hmm. an opportunity, you know, and it was, you say two levels up, mm-hmm. right? So the manager of my manager, right? And, um, you know, I was kind of building my trust, kind of earning my stripes. Mm-hmm. And then there was a tipping point where, you know, he recognized that, uh, you know, not only was I a high potential, I was also a high performer at the time. And, and when that happened, he really then engaged much more directly and really started to kind of give me even more information to improve my skills, mm-hmm. to, to build my capability. You know, and that was, again, two levels down from him. So he kind of, you know, he was working, obviously, with his direct report, who was my manager, but he took a, a direct interest in what I was doing. And I always remember That's that. That's awesome. Right? And that helped me grow much faster. Right? That helped me engage with the organization at a deeper level because now a senior level individual is taking interest in mm-hmm. kind of what I was doing. And I take that to heart. Right? So, you know, when we look across an organization, you know, part of my responsibility at the end of the day is ensure that the organization can thrive no matter what happens from a human resource standpoint. Right? person gets an opportunity. We like to use the term, if you win the lotto, right? So you win the lotto, well, you're going to retire, right? If mm-hmm. you win enough money, well, then what's our plan behind that, right? So who's going to succeed you? Who's going to take on the role of XYZ uh, function? Well, it's part of my responsibility to ensure that we're looking two levels, three levels down in the organization. Awesome. Who are those high potentials, right? Who's a high performer and low potential? So yeah, critical cog to the wheel, but you know, they're probably not going to move into a director level role or something, but they're absolutely critical to the organization. And then for me to personally engage with some of those individuals as well so that I can influence them as well, encourage Mm -hmm. them, you know, because actually I am interested in how they're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. not just for the organization, but for them. Yeah, yeah. Right, to prepare them, you know, hopefully they have a long-term employee, but at the same time, if they're not, you know, that's just kind of part and parcel of business. Well, it's kind of like what you talk about. The um, I'm not going to say the term because I'm a hard time pronouncing it, but being asked to dance. Yeah. You know, like invited to the dance and asked to dance. So yeah. the fact that you go and have a conversation with somebody and just let them know that you care and that, that you recognize that they're on your team, 
you know, that could, that could inspire somebody. Yeah. You hopefully. know, some people like, Oh, you know, I'm just, I even noticed around here or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's, that's good. That's yep. good. Cause it sounds like it's, uh, it sounds like the opportunity you had was a merit based opportunity. You had a, a two level up guy f- from your direct report, notice he had some talent and, and that's, that's great. I think, I, I think I've been exposed to too much good old boy network. That's, that's how I feel. It is what it is. I've survived, whatever, you know, I've done well, whatever. Um, I would, I would like to be more in this, the culture you're describing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would have thrived in that better, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's great. I think that, you know, it's just, it's very, it's very inspiring, very inspiring that you're developing you. that. Um, all right. So it looks like, you know, question number three, uh, at, at what point or stage of your career do you pivot in upper management? It might've been that moment with the upper, upper management guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was part of it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's when you start thinking, kind of beyond the area that you're responsible for, mm-hmm. right? You, know, you could argue the greater good of the organization. You're making organization-wide assessments because there's a give and take of every decision that's made, right? Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity cost. What benefits one area might not benefit another area. I make it easy for you, but harder for, for them. And so that's when you start to pivot into kind of being a, a business person mm-hmm. where now when you're looking at decisions – they're not in a vacuum. They're in the context of the whole, right? And that's a big kind of leap to make, right? Mm-hmm. When you can, because it's hard to connect the dots. I'm over here looking at uh, something for IT, and how does that connect to our membership uh, application process, mm-hmm. right? Or you're over here looking at, you know, certifications, and how's that going to impact the call center, mm-hmm. right? The customer service and support, right? And to be able to connect dots, I like to say, of, of seemingly uh, disconnected information, that's when you start to develop your business acumen, mm-hmm. right? Because decisions aren't made in a vacuum. Decisions have impact beyond what you might just see on the surface. And if you can have more people that when you make decisions see more of the impact, that's what helps the organization start to thrive as mm-hmm. an organization. Then, wow. Right? So you're looking at what's the greater good. Yeah, this would be good for me and my responsibilities as a functional leader. But how does that impact my colleagues? How does that impact the organization? Is this a priority of the organization or a priority for my department? Mm-hmm. Right. And by if we have more people looking at kind of the bigger picture, that just makes better decision making, better camaraderie, a, a stronger team, all these types of things. Or an opportunity for input from another, yeah, absolutely. another, another part of it, you know, knowing that that's going to affect that that part of the business to have an opportunity for an input, have, have somebody maybe show some leadership within that, that division or. Absolutely. That, and then that, that's it, right. Yeah. That the diversity of thought, right. That's mm-hmm. something, you know, when you assemble a team, you want, you don't want all the same type of person with the same exact thinking right. on a team. Cause then you get group. Yeah, think. Then it becomes bias, right. Yeah. Then it's, it's bias and you're not making the best decisions cause you're not thinking, you're not getting as much input and as much uh, potential, um, I'll call it impact on the decisions because there's not a full kind of flushed out, you know, I, I, we thought of everything. We put it all on the table and now we put it all back together and we've got a really nice thought. It's like, Hey, let's do this. Oh yeah. 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 Everyone agrees. Well, man, you're leaving way too much opportunity on the table mm-hmm. when people aren't challenging, you know, Hey, is there a better way? And young people want to be challenged. Yeah. So it all relates. Yeah, I think absolutely. So. I think it's great. I mean, yep. I'm learning a bunch of stuff myself. Yeah, good. LinkedIn learning. <laughs> Gary Konarska learning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
what work? Question number four: What work? Uh, you know, is it? You know, do you think it's going to take to stay and thrive at the executive level? We talk about continuous learning, you know, team building. You know, sounds like you got it down, dude. I mean, it's I mean, pretty amazing. I would say that at this moment in time, I think I'm. You got in, it down, but you're spot. you're 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 not. I know that you're just not going to, you know, hover, you know, over, you know, hover over the airport. You know, you're going to continue to yeah. refine the process. Yeah, I mean, that's get the better. thing. It's, it's awesome. like I mean, now it's for me. It's and it's you know another term I'm using a lot lately is scalability, mm-hmm. right? You know, I don't want to think just incrementally. You know, two percent growth, three percent growth. Right. You know, what's the big, hairy, audacious idea? You know, let's double. Mm-hmm. Right. And at first, that's like a shocking thing to say. Let's double. Right. And then I'll say, I don't know how we're going to do it. Right. Yeah. But if we start to think in this much more grand idea of, you know, we don't just want to kind of grow a little bit each year. We want to have a step change at some point in the future. What are we going to do to prepare ourselves for that? Right. If we're going to put in a new accounting software. Think about if I have to double the amount of work I'm doing and you can't double amount of people, right? Because that's you don't want to go one for one as you grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, then what what software might I choose today to support growth in the future, right? Versus what's good for today without that look at the future of, oh, this can handle the 2 or 3% growth and all that. Well, no, we want to kind of move forward and, and really kind of make a step movement forward. But we're not ready for it, right? No organization's ready to do that unless you prepare. Right. You build that foundation. You get everybody thinking about this continuous learning, right? So that means we're going to have to more have more skillful people in the organization. Mm-hmm. Well, the best case scenario is to build the skill of your existing team. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's part of building the foundation of that skill building, right? We're doing leadership development, right? We have to have better leaders, better managers in the organization. We have to identify the high potentials earlier and start giving them managerial skills before they become a manager. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. on day one of them being a manager, like, okay, I know that I have to treat people as individuals. I need to make sure for this type of role that I'm looking at that on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Like, they come into the role ready to manage, mm-hmm. but do more than that. Improve on what's already there. Yeah, you, you know, you definitely can't play junior hockey if you can't skate, shoot. And, right, and that's it. And that's and, it. Right, and hit somebody, and that's it. Yep. So you got to have these basic skills. You know, yep. you got to do it fast and efficient. And, you know, it's the same concept. You got you got to practice. Definitely. You know, definitely. And you got to fail a little bit. You know. Oh, huge. You know, yeah, I mean, it's okay to fail. Like it's you're really not failing. You're just pushing the envelope, stretching your legs a little bit. And when someone's younger, kind of like when you were with your stint over in Asia, there, uh, you know, you you learned a lot. Failed a you lot. Know? Yeah, yeah, and you learned a lot, and yep. there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing you know, at it, all. It's critical to crit- critical to success. So, all right, cool. Um, all right, we'll just like do the fifth and final question. If you could do it all over again, all, all over again, what would you what would you change? You know, I kind of highlight a little earlier on the family side, right? I, I would have probably, I could have, I know I could have achieved the success that I have achieved, uh, and had a better engagement with my family. Okay. Um, and, and I might have even achieved more had I been more engaged, which sounds kind of counterintuitive because a lot of that learning happened because of long hours, mm-hmm. right? Um, but at the same time, you, you learn a lot in your personal life as well. And, and when it comes to like, for example, getting better at being empathetic, empathy, uh, reading people, reading situations, I will tell you, you know, my spouse has a sixth sense about those types of things, mm. right? 
And yeah. she's piecing it like secondhand where I'm kind of telling her about a situation. She doesn't have all the context. And I mean, she's spot on like almost all the time. Wow. Right. And, and had I been, you know, I, like I say, better engaged at home, like I, maybe I could have had more of that. Right. I could have not kind of stepped into some of those potholes along the way. Cause she would have told me, Hey, don't step there because of this. Right. Instead I was, you know, one is I was getting that from, a mentor in a way, but also just like learning and failing along the way. So if that would be by far in a way, if I could go back, um, you know, to, to be more, um, present, mm-hmm. right. You know, physically is one thing, but also mentally yeah. for many years, even if I was there, I wasn't mentally there. I was always thinking laptop open. And that was even before kids, I was doing that. Right. I get home a young salesperson, you know, I'd sit down on the couch to watch some TV. I'd pu- open my laptop right away. Right. Yeah. And and eventually, after a few months, I said, well, "Can't we just spend some time together without you working?" Yeah. I and mean, this is, you know, yeah. twenty four, twenty five at the time. I wasn't trying to be anything more in life, but successful at that time. I didn't have any success yet, you know. And, and I did for a while, right? But then I kind of lost sight of that. And I think I do a better job today. But even now, I still there's times where I'm just not connected. My mind is elsewhere. You know, they'll. You know, my son, my wife, my daughter will talk to me and I won't even hear them. Like, I'll be looking right at them, but like I'm like deep in thought on something else. Right. And then, I mean, that's not fair to them. Right. Yeah. So that's a thing. If I could go back, you know, and, and you can never go back. Right. So that's one thing I never say, ah, I regret. Right. Yeah. You no, know, yeah, I, no. You, you lived it and you move forward and you just try yeah. to, you try to get better. Like, and you're, you know, you're recognizing it now. I mean, you, right. you're just here about a year. Right. You're moved once again. And, you know, it's pandemic and, you know, your kids are out of school. Who knows what, what's going on? New school, whatever. I yep. mean, it's a big adjustment. So, I, you know, I, I you know, take, takes it, you know, any advice that, you know, I've known you a long time. Any advice I can give you is just take a deep breath, bro. Yeah. You know, take a deep breath. I mean, uh, that's what I'm working on a little bit. Um, trying to, trying to not take everything so seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a, I have a tendency to take things a little too seriously. I, 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 I apply, my way of doing things to people, which isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see somebody kind of that needs some help. I kind of gauge, which sometimes it's not my job description to do that, but it could be, but it, you know, so I've practiced a lot on mm-hmm. a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, I turned 50 yesterday. Oh, so happy birthday, brother. Thank you, you know, 50 <laughs> yard line. So, you know, I sold, you know, like the last podcast I did with Mike Shaheen, I sold my, my property in Red Bank. So financially, I, I can be done working. I ran it through the numbers. I can be done working, you know, next, you know, five years, 55. Mm-hmm. I could be done. Am I going to be done like working? No, but I just might just do something else. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that might be or, or not. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get in the way of anything. But, you know, Bradley Basics is, uh, you know, working with some guys. There's a lot of need, you know, for basic counseling, you know, basic, you know, that what we're talking about here and mm-hmm. how, how you do things, thing, how do you become a CD, CEO? It's, you know, I think a lot of people, no one, no one talks about it. Right. You know? right. So that's kind of why we're doing it. So I, Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time. This is a beautiful office. Thank I you. wish you guys are here seeing it. And, uh, like always at Bradley basics, I appreciate your time and, and enjoy the day. Thanks, Take care. Thanks.